Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the 2023-2024 first edition of the Premier League podcast for uh, Rooster and the Villain and the Seagull. Uh, I'm here with uh, uh, Jake, uh, God damn, I always pronounce your last name wrong, Kenneke, right? Kenneke, uh, yeah, I said it right. Uh, the <laughs> Seagull himself, uh, Brayden Holt, Elian fan. Uh, Jake, um, me and him are here again for another episode. Uh, hopefully the audio will be better this time. Um, Jake, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Um, another long day here in El Paso, but, uh, we're actually starting to get some rain now. So hopefully it's going to start cooling off. Um, one actually won my seven on seven match last night. We're in the semifinals of this tournament we're in. So feeling good about that too. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, a uh, little local soccer on top of uh, our normal conversations. So excellent. I, I enjoy. What's uh? so you do like a seven V seven, right? Like that's what uh, league you're in. Yeah. Five. five? Okay. We're, we're uh, extremely local. We're, we're third division of this, this league. So, but even so though, like where, where are we at? You, you attacking, you defending, where are we at? Positionally. Uh, we play with like a sort of like a uh, three, sort of like a three-two-one sort of thing, and okay. uh, I play as like a left-sided defender. Okay, very cool. It's uh, it's it's excellent. I, I love uh, I love getting to play. Like uh, I play. <clears throat> well, my my outdoor full field just ended, but um, going back to indoor, I love indoor. It's a it's a different pace, uh, different game for sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. Any 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 reason to get out and play soccer is, is excellent. So I'm excited for you guys. Semifinals is is fun, man, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely hyped. Uh, been bringing because we play with a bunch of like uh, we get like some high school kids that come out and play with us. One of them is actually a youth player for Locomotive, which is pretty cool. But um, I always bring like bowlies. You know what bowlies are? I know you play in like a Spanish speaking league. I don't. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I got. I got a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I've never heard of bullies. So it's like the the freezy pops, but the, okay. it's like, a, like the Mexican yeah, version yeah. of a freezy pop. So I bring those out, and I always tell the kids like bullies are for winners. So everyone got to have bullies <laughs> tonight or last night. I, yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely have a guy that's got the cart that pushes him around. You know, like the the freezy pops uh, uh, cart around. But uh, bullies is a new a new term for me. So. Learn something new every day for sure. All right, so uh, we are missing uh, Mike tonight, which is um, is okay because we're going to record better. So audioly, it's not so rough for him to edit. But um, you know, we we are two weeks into the Premier League now, um, and. Not to exclude Mike, but, uh, you know, uh, Aston Villa has uh, Conference League uh, home and away coming up with Hibernian. Um, how, how are you feeling? You guys are at the top of the – you guys are at the top of the Premier League after two weeks. How are you feeling, bud? It's it's definitely a good feeling. 
um, I I keep posting that that meme from uh, from Seinfeld. Deserby Ball is real, and it's fantastic. It's <laughs> been so much fun to watch. Uh, very exciting season. I mean, obviously, these two teams are not the two teams we played. Luton newly promoted, and Wolves sort of in a sort of in the shit house. So they, uh, but good teams are supposed to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. So it. You know, eight goals is nothing to to scoff at, even against those two teams. For sure. I mean, like you beat the teams that are on your schedule, right? Like that's that's the point. Um, take care of uh, take care of the business you take care of. Um, but yeah, like, I think that you know, for the lack of you know, Wolves might be a relegation candidate. They are going through some stuff, but like, and, and Lutton obviously coming up from, um, uh, from really, uh, coming up from the championship. I, you know, like you guys took care of business the way you need to take care of business. Right. Like, I mean, beat the teams that are in front of you in, in not even, you know, convincing fashion. I think that's important too. So, um, continue to do it that way. Um, incorporating some of the new guys the way you have been in like Matoma looks like a beast that that goal against Wolves tell, like uh you know Lutton is is one thing but tell, take me through like the 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 Wolves game that first goal with Lutton uh I'm sorry the first goal against Wolves so yeah Matoma is just just a freak man like he just gets on the ball Cuts through like it seems like three to four guys, and then just goes right under the keeper with it. He's just like it. It just speaks to like the profession, the level of scouting that's in this organization. Like this, this guy was. I I don't want to call him a nobody because I know he mattered to Japanese fans of his teams, but on like a global scale, like who who the hell is this dude? And in in, sh- in a short time, it's you know he's a Manchester City target now, and I'm sure there's every club in the Premier League would want this dude, and it seems like he's happy here, which is nice. the The other thing I was going to mention too is like you were talking about with the young guys, um, the a bunch of different guys started this game. Uh, Pedro was on the bench. Um, uh, a drink, a dringa, or a, I always say his name wrong. A dingra didn't even come in. Dahoud started on the bench. Uh, some of those guys got to come in, but it, you know, I was sort of nervous about, you know, the lack of new signings and stuff like that. But this game just showed me like this, this team has depth and CISO, um I had kind of pitched a fit because I thought Matoma deserved the 10 shirt. But that that kid is fucking incredible, man. Two assists. Mm. He set up that, solid. Oh, go ahead. That outside, that outside of the boot, that outside of the boot pass to Sully Marsh was filth. Yeah. Like that first, the first goal, the the third goal they scored against them. I was watching. I was like, oh, you filthy son of a bitch! Like, I was so, I was so dirty. He's talented as hell. Yeah, and he's he's one. He's nineteen years old, which is insane. Mm. Like the. I in in my opinion at least from like what like what type of brain you have to play or have to have to play those positions like the the center attacking mid and defensive mid in my mind are are two of the hardest positions on the field 
And usually it seems like a lot of these young guys, they'll just stick them on the wing and say, you know, go run. And, yeah. and CISO controlled that game. Like he was, he was fucking fantastic. And then Solly March, man, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Southgate, the England national team manager was at that yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Gareth Southgate. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand how you, how you can look at dunk and look at March and not think like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe I should call these guys up for like a random friendly or something. Dunk is extremely underrated as a center back. And Sully March is the same thing, man. Like that, that guy has just been doing nothing but good things for the club forever. Yeah, for sure. I I think that like uh, people should take notice of Brighton because for what you guys are able to do with, <clears throat> I, I guess, like, I mean, obviously, like, limited budget, but, like, smart recruitment and uh, the team and the depth that you built on on the money you had is is incredible. Like, the, the talent there is absolutely fun to watch. Not just, like, good, like, fun, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that Wolverhampton game, for whatever Wolverhampton is going through, um, Brighton just absolutely took it to him. Like Sully Marsh, like two goals, like that second one off the inside of the post, absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, even uh, um, who's your defender scored second goal? Uh, Estupian. Yes, thank you, Estupian. Like he is <laughs> for for Cucurelli going for sixty million to to Chelsea. And Estupion coming on like the way he is. like Estupion looks better than Cucurella. Oh, it's yeah. not you know it's not like I know I know you have like as soon as you're gone like fuck you policy for extra breaking players, but like <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying like Estupion yeah. is is fantastic. I I like as a as a neutral I take nothing away from Cucurella, but goddamn like I feel like Chelsea is like personally funded whatever you guys are going to build in the future based off of like not bad investment, but just like uh, they miss in the culture aspect that Brighton Hove Albion is building. And I think that's, that's more important than just the money spent. Oh, absolutely. Like you can see just, it's like the idea of deserve ball is, it's crazy. Like you watch, um, I believe Tifo did a video on it. Um, they're a fantastic YouTube channel from the athletic. Yes. Anyone's interested. Love yeah, Tifo. Yeah. They did. They're a, so good. Yes. They did a breakdown of, I think the title of the video was why do Brighton's defenders put their foot on the ball? And mm-hmm. it like Deserby has these center backs like dunk obviously is really good. And he makes his, his co center back, good as well webster is extremely talented but dunk makes him better but these guys will they'll get a pass back dunk will put his foot on the ball and just wait and frustrate you into some sort of dumb press and then within five passes the ball's up the field and he Mm -hmm. has these guys buying in and i think people are starting to see now because you know, obviously with like the, the shit talking, you, you get the Southampton comparisons like, oh, Brighton's the new Southampton. They're going to screw this yeah. up. But you yep. see these guys that are willing to come to this team because they've seen Kukurea. They've seen um, 
Caicedo. They've seen this, this team where it's like, okay, you know, I can come from a team like Independiente or Boca, Boca Juniors and I get playing time and then I end up at Chelsea or I end up at Arsenal or I end up at Newcastle, big money yep. deals, and I make money. Brighton is my jumping off point. And for the most part, there's a lot of players that I'm mad at. Like the Caicedo thing made me mad. Cucurea was a little bit of a dirty transfer. But like as far as like guys like Dan Byrne or Trossard, like I'm not too mad about them. So I, I welcome those players coming in because I, I trust Tony Bloom in what he's what he's looking at and what he expects these players to end up being. For sure. I think like, I think that, um, and here's the thing, like, I mean, I'll let you decide on where you want to land on Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter probably laid a foundation, but he is not the revolution. Like deserve is definitely the revolution as far as those players are concerned. And I think that, when you have a coach or a manager in that, in that aspect, the, the way that Deserby is, is the game is more about the way they're designing it than it is about the players that are playing it. And I, I would say that like that's Chelsea's biggest problem right now is that they are built of the characters playing the game and not driven by the person who wants to run it. And I like, I mean, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of years and, and Mike's not here to defend himself, but I spent a lot of years with Spurs fans with Brad and, and, and Mike. And I, I do believe, I, I, I do believe that, um, I do believe that he's a good coach, you know, um, God damn, why can't you think of his name? Um, Pochettino, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I, I do believe that Pochettino is a good coach, but, like, you can't turn over that many people in a, in a program and expect results. Yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't work that way. And I, I think that, like, in, in Brighton's case, Brighton is more about the program than it is the players involved. And that doesn't mean that, like, it doesn't mean Caicedo is a bad player. It doesn't mean that Dane Byrne or Trossard or um, Cucurella or, or any of those guys are bad players. It just means that you guys have a good program that brings in quality players and develops them in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like that, that that's, that's almost more valuable than all the money that that's being spent. So like, I think that you guys deserve definitely a hats off for everything that's happened so far, but like you guys aren't, you guys aren't Southampton. Southampton is different because it's from a different era, right? Like it's, it's from an era that is about developing players just to sell with no forward thinking. Like I think Brighton's different. I think Brighton's selling while also fucking everybody up. And that's like, that's cool. That's fun to me. I, I enjoy that a lot. So um, yeah. I, I like what you guys are building right now. I think um, in regards to what you're saying, like the, uh, the idea of just like Todd Bowley buying these players, he, he's like a more rougher version of like the David Beckham 
era Galacticos, where it's like we're just we're going to get the best player that we can and we're going to stick him on this team and these stars are going to do it. And I think it took him all the way till his last year at Madrid to even win a league title. And mm-hmm. it just it, it seems like all these egos and obviously like Mudrik, Caicedo, um, Enzo. I I don't know if they had egos before because a lot of them obviously you know Caicedo at Brighton Enzo was somewhere in Portugal and Mudrik was in was Ukraine or? No, yeah it was in Shakhtar, Shakhtar yeah Shakhtar that's good yeah yeah so those uh those players I don't know if it was necessarily like the egos it's not the same thing as Beckham going from the biggest club in the world at that time United to probably the second biggest club in Real Madrid but it's like that same mentality of like, let's just get all these guys that we think are superstars to spend a lot of money out of them and let's stick them together and see what happens. And it just doesn't work. Like Bocicino is a good coach, but they should have let Bowley should have let him get in, develop a system and then say, okay, that's the expensive player I want. That's the other expensive player I want. He's expensive, but I don't have use for him. We're not going to buy him. Yeah. I agreed. I think that, I kind of outlined this in, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess I gotta say that Jake and Mike and I have uh, a fancy chat that we go through some of this stuff like uh, on a on a day to day basis. Well, like, I kind of outlined that I think that Chelsea has largely just spent to spend. Like there, it, it doesn't seem cohesive. It doesn't seem organized. It doesn't seem. Um, productive and I like I you know I agree with um our friend Matt Babel about they definitely have breached financial fair play even with all the sales but what I would argue is like I mean you can you can cry financial fair play all the time if you want to um and I'm not gonna get into into the aspect but um you know you want to talk you want to point at Man City, who was the reason why we developed this? Because um, you know it started in 2009. Financial fair play took place in 2012. Um, should have taken place with the uh, 03, 04, 05 Chelsea team. That having been said, for whatever you want to point at those teams, those teams did smart. Recruitment and you know, I, I like I like everybody they missed at some certain level. Like I'm not gonna say they're impervious to failure. I'm just saying that they did it in a way that wasn't, you know, it, like I watched uh, I watched the Paramount um, European Knights documentary about uh, Champions League from last year, and the team for Chelsea that was coached. Remember by Lampard on a on a return tour, um, the guys who started for Chelsea in that game against Real Madrid to go to the semifinals. Most of those guys aren't even on the team anymore. Like you can't you can't turn over that many players and expect immediate results. Um, our friend Matt Babel argue like you know they made smart investments that need some time, but I don't know if they made smart investments. 
you can't do it in that in that amount of time. You can't you can't you can't make it that quickly. You can't put that pressure on on those kids to yeah. be all of that all at once. And I think that like I I, I know that I know that in your heart hearts you love Caicedo, but like he's going to a bad situation, and you saw it from game one, like where he had just he happened to have a bad moment a bad 30 minutes and all of a sudden people want to fucking dump on him it's not the player he is but like that's the pressure you get from being in a situation like that so yeah i mean the 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 perfect example of what you're like what you're talking about is like did did chelsea really want mudrick or did chelsea want to fuck arsenal because that dude yeah that dude wanted to be a gunner. Like he was on social media saying, I'm, I am an Arsenal fan. I'd like to go to Arsenal. And then Chelsea's like, well, fuck it. We'll give you a hundred million. Come over here. And of course he did, but it, it just, I don't know. Like that, that Enzo guy, like the, the pieces, Enzo's super talented. Okay. Sato's super talented. That should be a dominant double pivot. But it, it's just not going to click this season. Maybe next season, like if, po- if they give Poch time to work, but it just right now they're just throwing darts for their transfer strategy, and it, it's just it's going to end up bad. Yeah, when I'm talking about like incorporating Lavia from Southampton, they're paying 60, 70 million for it. Um, you know, you have you have a new striker in Nicholas Jackson. You thought you were going to bring in Nkunku, who is going to be out for a couple months. Um, even the guy who started like in, and I say this with full transparency, like Carney Chukumeka, um, he scored that goal against West Ham. Looks fantastic. I am, you know, I, I'm going to sit here and scream the Star Wars, uh, you know, jokes about like, you were the chosen one. Like he was for Aston Villa, like. You know, I, I, I'll take the 20 million, but like, you know, a little bit like, God damn it. Could you imagine what that, that mother, like he looks, he looks good in Chelsea. Could you imagine what it looked like in fucking Unai Emery's uh, revamped Aston Villa? Like it's like they have, they have a lot of talent. I'm not taking away thing, anything like as far as they've done, as far as like building talent. I'm just saying that you can't, that's like, it is a hundred percent an American in playing like PS3 or Xbox FIFA mode, <laughs> like just buying and selling players. Like that's that's exactly how Chelsea's built their team, and it like it's frustrating. Like I, I, it's probably compounded by the fact that like on top of them doing whatever this dickhead shit is, um, you know, so, uh, Saudi Arabia is like pushing off like all of like the 28 plus talent, um, you know, signing Neymar this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's, it's a lot to take out at once. And I hope Chelsea fails. Um, European football will be fine, but like it, it's, it's just a lot all at once. Well, I heard you. Uh, you were talking about Villa. What did uh, mm. What did you think of that boat race uh, against Everton? Oh, I didn't. Even, I didn't. I apologize. I didn't even pimp you up for uh, you guys' own 
domination of Warhammer. I watched that first. Um, you know what? Like it felt really good, and we didn't talk after the Newcastle uh, game. Um, you know that was that was tough. And I, I take nothing with Newcastle. They deserved all the goals they scored. Like they they're a very good team. I, I take nothing away. Um, and and I also am also aware of the fact that Everton is not a very good team. Like and they're struggling. Um, I, I wish Mike was on here so I could like give him shit about because Dan Juma looked fucking fantastic and he couldn't fucking see the field for Tottenham. I don't understand why. He was the only talented player for Everton the entire game. But like you saw what Aston Villa intends to do to most teams where we are going to come in, we're going to dominate the fuck out of the hell of the ball and we're going to press you high and all of the time. And everything gave up mistakes. We had uh, both, both the goals in the second half, right? Uh, Leon Bailey's goal um, came off of a throw in where everything wasn't ready and bumbled to his feet, buried it. Um, John Duran's goal was, uh, again, uh, Ashley Young. I love him, but, like, thank you for the goal. Uh, made a very bad, like, quick throw in that was tapped away from Michael Keane and then buried by John Duran. Like, we will press the fuck out of you. And, like, that's, that's what you're going to see from Villa. And I think that that system and with the talent that we have, even with the injuries continuing to pile up, Coutinho – probably picking up a season injury, I'd imagine, or at least a couple months with that hamstring, the way it locked up like that. Um, I think that we have a a very good team. I think we're going to do lots of damage in the Premier League. And, you know, I don't mean to be in the moment, but, like, I'm going to be in the moment. Like, I expect us to win some sort of trophy. Whereas League's Cup or FA Cup or Europa Conference League, I can't say we're going to win the Premier League. You know, there's way too many. There's way there's way too many talented teams in the Premier League. But like, I think that one of those other tournaments that you know we're gonna, we're going to be pressing on. It's it's fun, right? It's fun football to watch, and I think that's the that's the thing that's like that's got a lot of people. A lot of neutrals excited is that that Aston Villa is going to play very fun football. Yeah, the um, I mean, just that those four attackers: Watkins, Bailey, Diaby, McGinn. Like that is just ridiculous front four. The um, the three Bailey, Diaby, and McGinn are they are they staying static in the, sort of in their positions, or is he allowing them to sort of free flow around the field? I think they're all over the place. And I, you know, I want to, I want to know a little bit too, that, you know, Diaby and Bailey play the Leverkusen. You mm-hmm. saw a little bit, a little bit of this in the celebration um, on Bailey's goal, the third goal. Um, Diaby was the first guy to go over and put his arm around him. Like, and, and both those guys that subbed off later and you saw them on the bench, arms around each other, talking, laughing. That relationship is huge. Because I think that, like, in, in general, a lot of people have been not negative, but just, like, less than excited, like, about, like, the whole transfer system for uh, Bailey last couple of years. He's had some injuries. 
We had a lot of promise coming in, but like he had a very prolific relationship with Diaby at Leverkusen before he came to Aston Villa. And you're starting to see some of the, um, some of the aspects of that. I, I think that people have been not patient with Bailey and I, he's super talented. The assist to McGinn um, on the first goal was fucking fantastic. Like pinpoint placement McGinn. Um, the goal he scored, he played very well. Like that, the Diaby Bailey relationship it like if you know if we're sitting here talking in a couple months and Aston Villa happens to be top five, top top six, it's because those guys are just cooking, and that relationship is super strong. Um, I, I like I, I, on top of that, you no know, McGinn is super quality, and I don't want to discount. Like we can get into it in a minute, but like you know we had we play tomorrow. Our uh, first Europa League, as far as like my relationship with Essenville is concerned, uh, in the Conference League, we're playing Hibernian, uh, which McGinn played at for four years before he came to Villa. It's a big game, Scottish wise, for him. Um, this whole team is built well, built deep, built to challenge. All these guys are built to, uh, you know, expose their best abilities. I don't see anybody that Emery plays that he does so in a way to expose them in a negative sense. Like, he puts them in the best position to succeed. So, like, I'm excited about what Villa's doing and what we could do going forward in Europe. Absolutely. I mean, Unai is a fantastic uh, manager. The, uh, I mean, he's got European silverware. And like like you were saying, I, I think there's absolutely every chance of the world that you guys can get some. Like I said, that, that front four is fucking ridiculous, man. And then you got Tielemans waiting in the wings. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then um, one other note from the game is I'm happy your boys won, but just – Man, Everton is a fucking mess, dude. And I, Ever, I Everton, Everton might be really bad. <laughs> I I don't think Sean Dyche was the answer either. Like that that style no. of football, I just I don't know if he's more than if he is a Premier League coach. Like the because he was with Burnley, right when they were yo-yoing. Yeah. Like yep. he he's good in the championship and not much else. Like that that hoof it mentality it, it just it, doesn't fly in this league anymore they uh I've, I've often described their style as public right like they had like public players for a long time with like chris wood and ashley barnes stuff like that um at, at burnley right like and they brought him into everton to keep them alive and he did he did the job um that having been said like his clubs have never played free-flowing attacking football. They very much play old English-style rough-and-tumble, long-ball-style football. And it, it, he he's exposed a little bit. You're right. I, I, think, I think that you're right in the assessment that he is a championship-type coach, 
right? Like he is a guy that's going to get you up. Maybe not a guy to keep you there. And, you know, Burnley, when he was there, had a couple seasons. Even though, you know, what, I, I, uh, I will say that Burnley had with him, I think they finished seventh one year. They made the uh, Europa League, but like mm-hmm. immediately phased out because they don't have the depth for that. Um, he, he's like, I think Everton's trying to figure out. They have their own issues by all means, but yeah, it's, it's been largely ugly for the, for the most part. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll take my victory against them, but like, you know, for you guys, you guys, have, you guys have beat up on Lutton. You guys uh, beat up on a Wolverhampton team in transition. How do you feel about, um, can you contextualize your wins while also appreciating that there's lots of work to be done. Like, um, how do you guys feel about uh, Brighton moving forward this season? Oh, I'm. I, I saw the the perfect tweet, and I, I never even realized I thought like that until I saw it. It was, um, it was like fans, fans of other teams, like, oh wow, Brighton's doing well, and then Brighton fans, all right, we got two wins, thirty six more points, and we're safe. Like, I, I still have that mentality no matter how good we're doing. It's like I just, like, qualify. Like, stay in the league, stay in the league, stay in the league. And it's been that way since 2016. So, um, we play West Ham next week. And they're uh, they're coming off the, the dismantling of Chelsea with 10 fucking dudes on the field. So, um, they're the Europa Conference League defending champs. Um, they're they're the I guess say they're the model that I'm hoping Villa emulates this season. Like even if we struggle a little bit in the Premier League, the idea that West Ham went in and won the Conference League is exciting to me. Like that's you know like I mean I, I'm not discounting the Conference League as a competition. I'm not like oh, it no. is. It is something that, like, I would very like. I understand that it's gonna be challenging, but it's very much something that I would like be super excited to win. Um, I think that like people will tend to discount some of the stuff, but just because of what it is. But like, yeah, those I, I would love that. Those are just plastic fans. Like it, it's if you have a chance to win silverware, I don't, I don't give a fuck what it is. Like, the, there's a lot of spoiled fans out there like champions league or nothing kind of thing. And it's like, hell no, man. Like I, I love the idea of um, the conference league as well, because then you start getting these teams like Slovakian teams or like Eastern block country teams in these tournaments. And it's, it's fun. It's cool to see those teams. It's like, Oh, what's that Chris? Let's look that up. Like it makes it more, more, I guess I wouldn't say world game, but more of a European game. Like it's fun to see those smaller clubs involved. Oh, for sure. But for sure, what's uh, so being in um Europa League this season and also competing on the Premier League front, you know, League Cup or Carabao Cup, if you will, um, FA Cup, what would be can you can you define for me like and and like I really like the team, I like the, the your makeup, I think you guys have a ton of really good talent, even after selling a bunch of people, you guys have invested well. What like can you define for me 
what does success look like this season for Brighton? Like, how do you how do you contextualize that? I was thinking about this the other day. I think, like, even without any trophies, I think top ten finish. Like, continue the trend, and I I understand that at this point, like a lot of people are like, oh my god, we can we can buy so much shit with that uh, Caicedo money, but I think a lot of that money is going into the loans we have for the stadium and then back into Tony Bloom's pocket. Cause I believe the number was like 400 million of his own money into the club. Yep. So I think a lot of that money is going to go back. I think what, what I would be happy with for this season and then going into like the next two or three seasons, as we continue to sell players and make money and recruit new players, I'd be fine with a top 10 finish and no European football next year. As long as the next season we we do European football or a deep cup run or something like that. Like I, I see us making it, not making it, making it, not making it kind of thing. Or maybe two years off and then one year it's like, oh, shit, finish top five. Like it's a big deal. Like I, I see that and that's that's sort of what if, – if Brighton can maintain that, I'm completely fine with missing Europe some years because I understand like how, how the club works and how we have to compete with – you know, clubs that are able to spend like city and eventually Newcastle and stuff like that. Would you, would you, you know, as you're, you know, I, I get it. Like, yeah. And you guys have only been up for what? 2016, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's, there's growth there, but like also, I mean, full on hats off to, the way they've built their their the club and stuff like that. That having said, even with those expectations, you're telling me that like not even like not even Europe, like you don't want a Carabao Cup, you don't want or oh, you don't yeah. expect or expect a deep run in the Carabao Cup, expect a deep run in FA Cup. Like um you at some point I I, I understand that this is all new. But with the talent you've had and the way you've been able to cycle it off and recycle it into incredible investment, like I'm gonna, I guess, like uh, at what point do you ha- start to have like firm expectations for results? I guess. I think right it's not, now it's it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not fair like here's yeah. the thing like i i should also contextualize the fact that it's a very american thing right like mm-hmm. oh you gotta win right like no you don't have to win but like um if you want to tell me to fuck off in your small and your victories not small victories, but like your victories are we finish top 10 and continue to be in the premier league that's also acceptable like i yeah. i just i guess i'm just asking you know what yeah. i'm saying well, no, no, no. Like my my expectations now is that it's we we've been gaining success, and I understand that there's going to be games where Arsenal beats us, or City beats us, or you guys beat us, stuff like that. Don't put I that don't put my, that, uh, I'm right there <laughs> with you, Ricky Bobby. Come on. My uh, my expectation now is that we do beat the Evertons. We do beat. Luton Town, like there's no more slip ups like last year, like Everton five one or whatever. Like no more of that. Yeah. Like beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, finish top ten, and then as far as like the cups go, I think this season 
I'm trying to keep my expectations tempered in as far as like league placing because I think that the the extra games is going to really hurt us the same way that it did to West Ham. But I do I see us more likely qualifying for Europe through the FA Cup, winning the FA Cup than I do finishing top six in the league again. I, okay. I think this season is eventually going to get hard. But as far as like being able to compete year in, year out, I still think the way Tony's building this team, I still think two to three years away from being able to consistently be like, okay, now we we make Europe every year. This is what we're about. There's a big part of that, do you think, as far as the the equation goes, keeping Deservey? Like, oh, absolutely. You, okay. Absolutely. Like, I mean, like, and like, in, it's, it's easy to say in retrospect, like, oh, we don't, you know, fuck off Grand Potter. But like, I would argue Grand Potter is part of the equation. Like, whether it's a 77 or not, like he's got to go figure out his own shit. But like Grand Potter was there, right? Like he brought in some of those guys. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I give the, the only reason I was mad at Potter is because he could have done that shit at the beginning of the summer. And I, obviously like hindsight is 2020. Like it led us to deserve you, which is a good thing. But like I would have had no problem with him leaving earlier in the summer and just get out of here, get your staff out of here and let us go. But it was like, I think it was like eight games into the season, which is just, yeah. just a douche was, move. Yeah. That was an uncomfortable one. Yeah. yeah it was not a, not a good spot to leave your club in, but like, I mean, also you should also be like, Hey Chelsea, thanks for subsidizing my, uh, my continued growth. Yeah. And I mean, apparently Deserby was was one of the candidates when Potter got brought on, but he was busy with uh, I believe it was Sassuolo, Sassuolo. I can't, I can never say it right. Sassuolo, oh, yeah, Italian club, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I trust, I trust the hiring process. Like I know, I know he's going to leave eventually, but my. My dream for him is that he has, I, I don't think obviously Champions League, but like a Europa League title, like a la Jose Mourinho at Porto. Like I would, I would love to oh, see yeah. that, like win something. Won, and then he won, the, he won the Champions League at yeah. Porto. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's not, it's not the realm. Like, I, you know, I understand that you guys are, Facing two teams that are struggling, but like you guys beat the teams that are in front of you. Like the first two games, Brighton's going to be trouble for anyone that's facing uh, going forward. But like it should be like you guys should be really, really fun to watch. I think that's, I think that's like uh, more important to me than anything else is that the Premier League in general a lot of those teams are very, very fun to watch. It's it's a way less pragmatic football than it's ever been. Like, there's no more Antonio Conte's. There's no more Jose Mourinho's. There's no more, like, and, like, I'm not saying that that shit doesn't win. I'm just saying, like, every team, I don't know there's a team that's not built to be on the front foot. At least not, like, anybody that's decent, you know. Um, and that's just exciting. Like, that's just it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun football. Well, it's it's definitely been enjoyable cuz the the monotony, I guess, of that 
that big six dominance, like it's fun to see teams like Villa and Brighton shake things up where it's like, you know, like knocking down the door. We're here. We want to play. For sure. It's not even us. I mean, you talk about big six, like uh, Mike's not here, but like, you know, good for Spurs for getting a win against United. Um, but like also fuck off. Like Newcastle is good. They're not considered top six. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton is very good. They're not considered top six. Uh, Villa's uh, showing promise. Um, even coming off the horrific loss in, against Newcastle, like, and they're not considered top six. I think there's lots of very good football teams in the Premier League right now, um, which should make for a very fun season to watch, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun already. I mean, speaking of Mike, um, he said he's going to do a little monologue after this. I just wanted to jump in real quick and say, like, Spurs are fucking fun to watch. That game, that game was fun. Like, Carlson is not Harry Kane, and he didn't have the greatest game, but that that match that match was really fun. Like that, uh, I can't remember the coach's name, the the Aussie. Oh, uh, post postaglu postaglu yeah, Ange. I just call him Ange. Ange. Yeah, yeah that that was fun to watch. Um, Son is one of the best players in the Prem. Uh, Basuma. Yes. Uh, a lot of people wrote him off as sort of like a bust, another Brighton what bust. A, that that kid what, is what, super good. What a sale, right? Like, I mean, you talk about like Casado going for like 115 million, like mm-hmm. Basuma for like 30 million seems like a fucking steal. Like, yeah. I'm not not taking anything away from Casado. He's very good, but like Basuma might have been super underrated as far as, oh, as, far yeah. as sale price goes. Like, he's very talented. Well, I think I think Caicedo is just a he's a benefit or he's a beneficiary of the hype machine that started, you know, building up. Basuma was sold under Potter when we were finishing, you know, like fourteenth and then ninth or whatever. Yep. So he he didn't have a lot of that hype behind. Like people knew he was good, but like you're not going to get more than thirty million for the guy that doesn't have a lot of hype behind him. But I I I love that dude. I'm so happy to see him playing well. He is. Like he is that destroyer role, but he can also like add to the attack. He's he's fantastic. If, if they can get Betancourt back healthy, the idea that him and Busuma and um you know any of the other midfielders can like pair in with that, like they have a very good setup. And like you know, I. I'm not. I, I am not discounting in any way possible Harry Kane. Harry Kane is irreplaceable. Oh yeah. I I mean that, but like also, you know, Sonny is world class, world class. Um, and you know some of the other attackers are very very good. I think it's just getting on the right page and getting that shit rolling. But like, Tottenham should be fine. Without that, and then that's not even spending a dime of the money they made off Harry Kane. And then, you know, if they're able to do that in an effective way, it could be fantastic. So, yeah, I I felt bad sometimes. Like I like maybe Mike thought I was fucking with him when I was telling him they needed to sell. But I, I just felt like for for Ainge coming in, it's a new regime. Like just get him out. Let him go win a trophy with Bayern, whatever trophy that may be. And just 
start over and let let this this new manager have a hundred million whatever dollars to to start building his team. And like I said, like the the way he had him playing on Saturday, like that shit was fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. They 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 are very fun to watch, and I can only imagine if they were able to actually use that full investment um, to go and do things correctly. You know, I mean, I mean, I've been watching Premier League long enough that, like, I remember when they sold Gareth Bale and they went out and bought, I think it was eight or nine guys. It was like Robert uh, Roberto Soldado and um, uh, Paulinho. Uh, Paulinho, like, there's a, a bunch of guys that like were just meh. You know, they were like. They they used one guy's wages to go sign eight guys and it just didn't fill it back. I don't know that Spurs are in the same position that they need to do that. You know, I think that they have a considerable amount of talent there. You know, they they definitely have some spots they can improve upon. And you know, I you know we talk about defensively. And they, you know they're they're talking about selling Eric Dyer because he doesn't fit into the scheme. Uh, Vandeven needs some some time. You know I think that they they have potential. I hope that they are able to invest the money correctly. I guess is my point. Yeah, I agree. And then um, they'll they'll end up buying. Uh, Ferguson from Brighton for a hundred million next summer. So that's no. where that money will go. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you won't hate that, but like, you know, I, I think that Ferguson is, he's waiting the wings and, you know, maybe Brighton was trying to get out in front of it by, you know, signing Pedro and playing the striker, but like Ferguson is, is coming. He's super talented for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going to be a stud. And then, um, to move on from that, um, I know they're your former team, but United looks fucking awful. I, I said I said this in the chat, you know, our fancy chat, but I I don't see or understand what the value is of Mason Mount. Yeah, agreed. He doesn't provide goals. He doesn't provide defense. He doesn't provide attack. Like he the only thing he provides is a British slot into your team. I don't I don't see what is he's certainly like you know a million miles from this. He's not he's not for even for even at an, an age state, he's not fucking Ericsson for United, where he's providing goals going forward and like he doesn't do that. Um, and you know they they have their own struggles with a striker. You know they still need Hoyland that they signed to get healthy, and they had Rashford out there. Rashford's more better served as a winger. It they seem so lost, and on top of like you know on top of like that's just me giving them a direct credit for the team they are that they present on the field. Outside of that, like the club is broken, man. Like I, you know, I left a couple of years ago because 
the owners of that club don't give a fuck about the fans. The Glazers are are terrible. I'll, I'll say it, they're terrible human beings, yeah. um, and they don't give a fuck about anybody. Um, whether or not the sale of the club actually goes through or not would be great for the club. But yeah, dude, they, like on the field, the, the the product they're presenting is just fucking shit. And like, I would also argue that like I don't get the the buzz about Ten Hag. You know, he he doesn't have the impact that you talk about coaches that are doing things with less budget and you and I are sitting here like perfect examples. The job that Unai Emery has done and the job that Deserby has done with our, our, our respective clubs with the talent and money that we have is embarrassing to Ten Hag. Like oh, if yeah. they are, you know what I'm saying? Like they are not performing up to the money on money they spent. Yeah. Agreed. Um, some somebody I, I think it was on Twitter, like some guy was just getting buried for making the comment, you know, they haven't given him enough. And it's like, oh boy, like the you know, the four hundred <laughs> the four hundred million they've given him or plus whatever yeah to go get these players. And it just I don't know, like like I get I get Anthony was good under you at Ajax, but he's he's not good now. He's just like a fake tough guy, and I, I'm not even sure what he does. Uh Garnacho, he's still young, so jury's out. Rashford, I think, is very talented. I hate Fernandez. How is how is, how is Anthony beating Jaden Sancho out for a yeah. spot week in, week out? And I'm not even trying to defend Jaden Sancho. I saw what he did at Dortmund, though. Like I uh, and a little bit like you can you can get on players for you know maybe being fat and happy on a salary, whatever it is. Um, but I think largely most of these guys are so prideful that they're not willing to just sit there and collect. Like they want to go play and to, to tell me, to try to tell me that Anthony wants it more than Sancho. Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse. It just, they, they, they seem to force the money over and over again. It's just not about the talent or productiveness. Like it just seems like, Oh, this is what we bought. So this is what's going to happen. Um, same thing, same thing with moving Harry Maguire on like, um, okay. You need to buy him out of his contract to go. So he can go to West Ham. That's always that, like, you know, whatever he is, that's what he asked for. Like, you got to buy me out. You want me to leave? Buy me out. Why wouldn't you fucking buy him out? Yeah. He was like, if you talk about like building like clubhouse cohesion, like you want to like undermine Bruno Fernandez anymore. Okay. The former club captain just fucking bitch a fit about you not buying him out. And now he's in your team. He's never going to play, but you got to face him every day in training. Are you kidding me? Like that seems like a no brainer. Fucking move him on, like yeah. whatever that is. Like get his salary out, get whatever it is out. Like buy him out. But like this is the this is the terrible ownership group that is the fucking Glazers. Like they're bad owners, they're bad human beings. Like I'm not even fucking uh, acknowledge anything that's happened outside of 
soccer for them because it's not indicative. Like, they got lucky with Tom Brady. They just, like, it would be very lucky for United fans if this sale goes through. Um, I think it's a Qatari owner, right? Like, um, and I'm, I'm saying that knowing full well, like, Qatar is a terrible place full of human rights violations. I don't know that's any worse as human beings than the Glazers. Well, actually, speaking of them being horrible humans, we we might have spoken too soon in our group chat about giving them credit for pushing Greenwood out. Oh, no. Apparently, the plan all along was to bring him back until that journalist released it saying they're planning on bringing him back. And they saw all the the backlash. They were they were going to start working him in, maybe not play him till like mid-season, I think. But they were going to start working him into trainings, having him around the club, having photographed, all that stuff. And that's why that last feeler that they did was when they released that statement saying, you know, we have to look out for Mason, too. He's been at the club since he was seven, yada, yada, yada. But what they forgot is everybody heard that fucking audio and people aren't just going to forget shit like that. No, there, there is every amount of context that you want to give around a situation, whether it's the, the aftermath or whatever it is, there is no reasonable human being that's going to listen to that audio and accept that, him playing is okay. You're not like, I mean, I, I like, I, I say this as, um, and you know, I don't like for as long as this podcast is beyond this podcast used to be called Rooster the devil. Like a long time ago, I was, I grew up a United fan. Like, I know I said, I grew up like, I'm talking about like 95, 96. Like my youth coach was from Manchester. I grew up a United fan. Like I had, and I had a soft spot in my heart for academy players, including Mason. But as soon as I heard that audio, regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what, like what his life is now, like I hope he's a good dad to his kid and I hope he's a good husband to his wife, but you're never going to move past the audio that occurred and the audio that got released. Yeah. It's I never mean, gonna be okay. It's never be okay. Like, and I have I have two daughters. I'm I'm never gonna be okay with you being a professional athlete. Man City or Man United had to do that because they got bullied into it. I think they wanted to keep him because oh, he's super talented. He's absolutely. super talented. They wanted to be like gloss this over, like let's let's move past it. And Dude's, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's like you, you brought up having kids, having daughters, like the people defending them, like motherfuckers with, you know, girl dad in their bio. And it's like, what, what, what kind of message are you sending? It's just, it's asinine. And people keep saying like, oh, you, you guys are going to ruin his life over a mistake. Him going out and getting a regular fucking job isn't ruining his life. Like no. you, you can, you, he, you made a mistake. You, you're not paying for the mistake because the woman that you abused is now having your kid. And I don't know if she was worried 
about losing financial stability, and that's why she defended him, sort of like Ray Rice's wife trying to defend him, making sure he got back into the league, which he never did. Like, yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you're allowed to keep on living, but you don't get the right of being a public figure. We don't need motherfuckers like you being public figures. We don't need kids that, you know, you know, are 10 years old loving Manchester United and saying, well, you know, Mason Greenwood beat the shit, beat the shit out of his girlfriend and, you know, raped her. Like Mm -hmm. I, it seems like it's okay. Nothing happened to him. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like there's, there's never really moving past it. I think that sports, unfortunately, largely does a good job. Not any, a good job is bad. It's a bad term. Sports largely does a a lethal job of washing out bad events and Ray Rice is a litmus test because of the country we're from. Um, Ray Rice never resumed his career. And I think part of that is due to the fact the position he played in the age he was at. Um, Part of that is due to the fact of the performance that he committed. Like the video is, it's hard to – you can't argue around that, right? Like, it's the same thing with the Mason Greenwood audio. We didn't get to see what happened with the great Mason Greenwood. We definitely fucking heard it. You can't unhear that. Like, you can't you can't not hear that. Regardless of uh, not criminal court, regardless of all that sort of stuff, regardless of the talent that he possesses, even he's 20 – just turned 21 mm-hmm. now – um, it is, it is gross to think this, but I a hundred percent know it's going to happen. He will be back in football because somebody is going to, to move past that point. It's the same reason Benjamin Mendy, um, mm-hmm. after all the shit that happened at Man City is in, in France playing, um, you know, like, uh, it's not right, but it is the legal world that we live in. Uh, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard truth to wrap your mind around, especially as somebody like, I mean, I like to think that I'm a moral human being, you know, and I, and like I said, I, I, I am somebody who grew up and until, you know, a handful of years ago, did support United in the way they did the youth system and all that sort of stuff. Like, and I wanted him to succeed. It's just, it's just gross, man. You can't, you can't, there's no, there's no getting past that. There's no whitewashing that. There's no sports washing that. You can go start it if you want to, and no one's fucking ignoring that shit. It's it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right about him getting another chance because most of the time they they always do. I mean, I forgot his name. I think he was a defender like 
killed the guy in a car accident. He's still playing to this day, I believe. Um, oh, Marcos Alonso. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Barcelona. There is a lot of guys. You talk about that, like uh, Dante Stallworth. Um, he was a wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. He ran over a dude with his car. He like ran him over and killed him. But he was drunk, so it was an accident. He, like he got a thirty day like house arrest. Like it's, I'm it's, I'm not saying it's right. I, I'm not. But at the same time, I'm just I'm saying it as a matter of fact, missing Greenwood is going to play professional soccer somewhere. Yeah, I agree. It's going to happen. It's not right. It's going to happen though. Yeah, like somewhere he'll be somewhere low profile, and then another club will, 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 will test the waters probably will, through someone like Fabrizio doing a post. He'll be low profile, but he'll absolutely assassinate because he's way too talented oh, yeah. to be wherever he's going to be. So it's just going to be, all right, you got your two years in? Okay, let's bring you back or let's bring you wherever. Like that's, It's not right, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're coming up on an hour. Do you, yep. you want to do anything else? I, I kind of had an idea since we're, we're both uh, – Dan Levitard fans or Meadowlark Media fans, I was going to see if you wanted to do a top five. Sure. What do we do in top five? Like, what's, the, so, what's the list? Top five favorite players of all time. I thought this was an easy one to start out with. Ooh, do you got your top five? You can go, you ready to go first? Five to one? Yeah, I'm going to go five. Well, I got a, I got one in, in true Dan Levitard fashion. I have an OLI, just one, though. Uh, all right, well, Let's do OLIs first. I'll do you do your OLI. I'll do my OLI, and then you do you do top five. Okay. So my OLI is Richard Forca, longtime defender for Maryland Bobcats. Love that dude. <laughs> He's got that. I'm telling you, like I got I got some I got some local dudes in this list. So of all time, come on. This yeah. is all right, all right. I'm telling I'll you, of all you have, of all time, I got I'll local. Let you dudes. have your Homer list, but this is this is silly. Yeah. Okay. My 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 top two are are like the biggest of the names. So, Richard Forca of that um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Maldini, the defender of that mindset where it's like if I have to make a slide tackle, I've already fucked up. Like Forca is that dude. Paolo Maldini, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, Stallworth for AC Milan. Um. Well, I don't have a million Bobcats, but like uh, my, uh, I'll give you my OLI, my top five. And I say this because he's not going to appear on anybody's top five, top 10 lists, but he's always mentioned. Um, somebody I grew up with, uh, Roy Keane for Manchester United, like so undervalued. Like, and, and I mean this in the most flattering way possible. There's no way that the writers of Ted Lasso wrote the character of Roy Keane without studying Roy, uh, sorry, Roy Kent without studying Roy Keane. Like he's the, he is that character, just fantastic, but also cantankerous, and uh, he, he, like he was he was everything to me growing up, like. Fantastic. He's always, he's my OLI, OLI number uh you know outside outside of five. 
So Sab- sabotage the Irish national team over a dinner. Oh God! What a fucking <laughs> legend! Like a fucking legend, dude. God damn it! I love him. Such an asshole. Like the asshole in the biggest way possible. All right. Yeah. So, uh, my number five. We're we're staying with Irish players. The legendary defensive midfielder of El Paso Locomotive, one of the originals, Richie Ryan. He's on the coaching staff. It's Tulsa now. He should have been Locomotive's head coach. The the guy was just insane. Played until he was 37 years old, still playing the destroyer role, still fucking killing it. From from now until or from then until forever, Richie Ryan. Love that fucking dude. It's fantastic. Yours are going to be way more uh, <laughs> locally based than mine. Um, so contextually, again, I got to tell you and the listeners that I grew up I, not by choice. I grew up United fan. So my uh, my coach was uh, from Manchester. Everything I grew up on, like highlight videos, whatever, was United. Um. I haven't said my number five is going to be Michael Carrick and he is way more valuable to all of the success that happened for United from the time he joined the team until he left as a player coach under uh, Van Hall. Um, He is fantastic. The balls he played, he was, he was everything to that team. Like he, um, is more Man United than Ronaldo, more Man United than uh, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie, all those guys. Like those guys are like legends that you would name with the club. But Michael Carrick is, is United. So he is number five for me. All right, and then number four. <laughs> uh, you can laugh at this one too. The the dead ball expert, probably the most talented Maryland Bobcat of all time, Darwin Espinal. That guy is mm-hmm. fucking fun to watch, and he's been one of the few bright spots on the club this year um, going through some changes. Guy played for uh, DCFC at one point, I believe, him and Filerman. But uh, Darwin is fucking amazing. I honest to God believe he can play at the USL championship level. And I think that might be where he ends up soon. Dude is just fucking fantastic. How many, uh, can you like rough me? How many goals does he have? He was leading the golden boot race for a little while, wasn't he? He's got to have like nine or 10 at this point. I can, I can look it up. Okay. But yeah, he's, uh, he's up there in the goal race. The guy is just some, like some of the goals. I saw, I saw some of the highlights, um, mm-hmm. you know, from, from, uh, X, uh, just like he, he scores fantastic goals. They're not just like goals. They're like, you know, highlight real goals. So like he's fantastic. If, if he gets like the same, I mean, obviously there's levels to this, but in the same way of like, like Messi getting it outside the box on a free kick, it's like mm-hmm. Darwin gets over that ball and it's like, you're, you're fucked. That dude is that mm-hmm. good. He, he's putting it on target. That's fair. Um, uh, this is a we have drastically different lists. <laughs> um, number number four for me is Thierry Henry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can name all the reasons, but he's uh, the most prolific goal scorer in the Premier League history. He he redefined what an attacker looks like before you started talking about like nine versus 10 versus false nine versus whatever that dude did everything. He could be an out and out striker. He could be the guy that comes back and builds up the play. He could be the home striker, whatever it needed to be. That dude was, or he'd be a winger. Like, God, he was so talented. Um, those Arsenal teams and then, you know, Barcelona, Barcelona, and then <clears throat> embarrassing enough, uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's incredibly, incredibly talented. Um, I like, I mean this in full context. I would argue that he came into MLS at a more prime state than Messi did. And I know what Messi is doing. He did in League's Cup and stuff like that. I would say that, you know, a younger Terry Henry coming in for Red Bulls with uh, the supporter, uh, supporter Shields and stuff like that, he was more primed athletically for MLS than, than Messi is. Um, Messi obviously is, is the GOAT, but, you know, Terry Henry came in at a point where he could have still been dominating European football. Love that dude. That's a good pick. So my number three is now we are getting into top tier players or at least players that play in top tier leagues. Here we go. All right. So another Homer pick though, the Brighton born six foot four (laughs) captain center back. Number one in my heart, Lewis Dunk. The man had all the opportunities to go to any other club and probably get way more English caps, but he stayed at his youth club from League One to motherfucking European football and from the Premier League. Lewis Dunk's the fucking man. It is, you know, know, like for Homer or not, it is unbelievable to me that he hasn't gotten more run in English national team because you're right. He has been consistent. He's a little bit like it is, it is wild because I still see him as an old world center back and a very, very modern Brighton team. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he like exhibits all of the same rough and tumble stuff that I saw from like, uh, um, dare I say like a John Terry, um, that you might associate him with as a British center back, but he is a very much more like a modern. Like he is wild. I am, I'm very surprised that he hasn't gotten more play in the English national team. Like, uh, yeah, it's, he's different for sure. Yeah. Um, number three for me, Um, I, I go back to United a little bit here, and I, I I say this full well knowing the way the world went. Um, but you have to go back to a moment in time, like I mean, so for all the things that Hurricane is Wayne 
Wayne Rooney was the leading goal scorer for England, and he's second all-time. And he was second all-time, now he's third all-time, I believe, in goal scorers for the Premier League, um, for what it's worth. Wayne Rooney, in his time, um, you know, the years that we lost, like when I say we, United lost to Barcelona, I think there was a year we lost, like, Four to one in the Champions League finals in the in the um, against Barcelona, the goal that he scored. When you talk about like players on the field in that in that sense, and you're talking about the best of Barcelona, like the all of those talented players, he was the second best player in the field behind Lionel Messi. Like he, like when when he was in his day, when he was in his shape, when he cared. He was so much better than everybody else around him. Once he stopped caring, was he wanted to have a beer? Like, ah, that's a different Wayne Rooney. But like, <laughs> yeah. But like, there was a couple years there where he was the best player in the world, and him underneath Sir Alex Ferguson was a thing of fucking beauty. Um, I miss that Wayne Rooney. I I still love Waza. I don't give a shit about MLS at all. Um, but like, I still want him to be successful. And I like, I, I just love him because he, and for me, he embodies everything that is and should be British football. Like he is the true, like he comes from like, he's low class born, but loves Britain. Like, I mean, he's, he, he is a British footballer, but like on top of that, even more so, and he does this, and I, 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 you know, Mike can be here to, he's not here to argue. So, like, he is more Britain and more football than Harry Kane ever has been. And I know what Harry Kane is. I know how talented he is. But, like, the the couple of years that Waza was on top with United, you never felt that with Harry Kane. And whether it's fair because it was United versus Spurs, we can argue, but, like, Waz is different. So for me, he's number three, 100%. Yeah, that mean shithead scouser mentality like that. Yeah, mm. he was fantastic. And then, like a lot of people saying, you know, oh, like he came to MLS to retire. And yeah, kind of true. But just that that play that always sticks in my head is that DC United where he tracks that ball down, <sighs> takes it off, cross from three quarters of the field, wins the game everyone's running and celebrating. He's breathing heavy and he just kind of throws up a thumbs up and walks off the field. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. I love him, dude. He's, uh, he's fantastic. I like, he faded quickly. Like, I think that it's just like, you know, professionalism lifestyle, but like, and he will fade faster than Harry Kane. And I'm, I'm never going to compare because I will admit that Harry Kane's career will be better than Waz's, but I will also say that Harry Kane was never in the conversation the way that Wayne Rooney was as far as you talk about the best players in the world at the time. And I remember seeing him, like I said, I point to that Barcelona Champions League game where Barcelona was ultimate. Like I said, like they, I think they won like four to one or three to one. And they were at the peak of their powers. Lionel Messi was at the peak of his powers, like athletically, everything else. And on that day, 
when Lionel Messi was the pick of stars, Wayne Rooney might have been the second or third best player on the field. And he carried United to that goal. I think it was a tying goal. Um, Harry Kane has never been that. And I don't care if Mike is mad, but like he's never been <laughs> like never. All right, so number two. Number two is Thierry Henry. Uh, uh, since you already mentioned him and we talked about him, I won't go too in-depth. My opinion, best Premier League player of all time. The guy is just fucking amazing, and he is a fucking genius. The, the video that popped up recently that I saw, he was talking about uh, how Arsene Wenger made him see while he was playing, you know, oh, I'm the, cent- I'm the center forward. You don't get me the ball. And then he realized, am I making myself available? This guy likes to cross it this way. This guy likes a through ball this way. This guy likes to give and go. And the way that you said it, he can adapt to positions. He can adapt to playing with anybody. Like, the, like obviously, he was the man at Arsenal. He goes to Barcelona. Messi is there. And he's like, well, screw it. I'm going to play with this guy. And he got himself his Champions League. Henri... Second favorite player of all time. The man was just fucking amazing. That's uh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mentioned him earlier. He's 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 unbelievable. Like the versatility and the the talent are incredible. Yeah. Um, number two for me is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Hell yeah! Yes, <laughs> for a multitude of reasons, dude had an incredibly productive amazing long career like not just on the field he is an amazing character off of it um which adds the intrigue but like i think that people forget the production on the field was so goddamn prolific he won pretty much everywhere he went um he produced in the biggest moments right like the um you know, I, I love the larger in life stuff that happened, you know, as he got older. But like, you know, like when he came to MLS, the the whole thing where he took out a full page ad that yeah. um it just said, well, You're welcome. <laughs> That's all it said. But the full page. Um and then proceeded like and then proceeded to score a goal on a half volley on his debut. Um dude is unbelievable. And on top of like, you know, you know, for whatever ego he might have, you know, if you like really read and look into him, he's just a fantastic human being, an amazing father. Um, like all those things, like, like he is, uh, for me, he is unbelievable. I, I, I love him. Um, when I was a United fan and United signed him, it was a dream come true for me. Um, yeah, he's it, by, by far one of my favorite players of all time. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, number two. I I love pro wrestling, and Zlatan is pro wrestling. And um, the like going back to the LA thing real quick, like the the story that was told where LeBron sent him a jersey, a LeBron James LA Lakers jersey. He Zlatan autographed the jersey and sent it back to LeBron. <laughs> he he was. <laughs> He's fucking fun, man. Like I said, like I, I love pro wrestling. Locked on is pro wrestling. Dude, he's fantastic. He's an amazing human being. Like, uh, for sure. 
So, Jake, number number, one. My number one, this is the man who made me love football. The one, the one, the only, Ronaldo, O Fenomeno, Nazario, the, that 2002 World Cup was just so fucking fun to watch and he was the star and like looking back like learning what i've learned now about how he was coming off of just a brutal fucking injury and people mm-hmm. thought he wasn't going to be back and he comes back and he wins the golden boot and he just dominates that tournament and brazilian football was so beautiful at that time what was his joga bonita mm-hmm. benito mm-hmm. just yes. it was fucking perfect and you go back and now that you know i'm an adult with youtube I can go back and I can go watch that highlights from that one single Barcelona year that he had where he was just there was nobody even close to him at that yes. time. Like just a fucking freak. And he wasn't that six foot four. I'm just yeah. going to sit my ass in the penalty box. He's like, no, you're going to give it to me deep and I'm going to do the rest. And he he was fantastic. The fucking haircut, the way he played, the people he played around like success, every, no Champions League, but success everywhere he went, scored buckets of goals everywhere he went. And even when he was fat Ronaldo, as everyone called him, he was still, well, I mean, his name, phenomenal, just amazing fucking player. Gen- generational talent. I think that like he, I, I think that he would have been so dirty in today's, like, I mean, he was dirty then, but like he's, he would have been incredible in today's age. Like it's, that's a fantastic call. Like he is, um, he's iconic to me. Like I, I, you know, I didn't list him in my top five, but like he is iconic. He is, you know, you can't, you can't mention, I'll never mention world football without mentioning him at some point. Like he is unbelievable. Like, um, that's a great call out. I appreciate that one. Um, for me, number one, my last one, and I say this again in context of I am I am and will forever be moving forward an Aston Villa lover. I love Aston Villa. That having said, I was raised as a a Manchester United fan. Like I had a Manchester United coach growing up. Um, when we used to do tournaments and we were gone for weekends on end, we'd watch um, all of the mid-90s highlight videos. My very first love, the guy that embodied what love of football was for me, um, the fucking cockiness, the arrogance, Eric Cantona. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, the 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 video of him burying a shot in the upper ninety, and then him like not running anywhere, just standing there and putting his arms up and turning like like gladiator. Like, are you not entertained? Like, just like you know, like just like that dude made like he was he was the catalyst that launched whatever United's dominance was in the Premier League era. Like, they bought him from Leeds, and he let, like, he was only there for, like, four or five years, but, like, he was the catalyst, and he gave 
all those young guys, all the guys that they talk about the class of 92, like, like the gigs and the, um, the Nevilles and the Beckham and the Skulls and all those guys, the, the confidence and the arrogance and the fucking belief came from playing with a player like Eric Cantona. And that guy for me made me love football because that he was so fucking arrogant. I didn't know. I didn't know how important arrogance was to football. Like more so, you know, I, I listed I listed Ibrahimovic as number two, and we talk about that dude as like you can talk about all the arrogance you want, but it is comes from a pure love and joy of football. And at the end of the day, like being a good dude, like I don't know that Kansas was a good dude, but like the <laughs> love, the love and joy for football that he exuded in the moments that he was there, and the arrogance of how good he was, is football. And that dude is when you, if you want to ask me ever, like, I mean, this is our list about top five football player, but like when you talk about guys that impacted modern day football, you can't start a conversation with Eric, without Eric Cantona. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And then that's, that's why he is number one for me. He is um, far and away the most influential footballer, in my lifetime, for sure. I mean, the the set of nuts on the guy to do the to drop kick a dude at the height of hooliganism in in the UK, oh, just sprinting, sprinting, and fucking kicking him like Liu Kang from Street Fighter in the chest. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, like yeah, he definitely had some mental <laughs> mental issues. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying, like, him on a football pitch. Yeah, he's was he's fantastic. Yeah, he, he, um, yeah, that's my guy. One one OLI that I completely forgot, but your your love of '90s Manchester United, <laughs> um, like the guy, obviously, like he gets the the pretty boy stigma and all that shit. But mm-hmm. to to go back and look at the passes that David Beckham made the goals he scored while in a United uniform, like he's, you know, whether it's his own doing or whatever, like the posh spice and, you know, acting like sort of like an idiot towards the end of his United career, that dude is still to this day, severely underrated. Like just what a freak he was as, as like the right mid in that four, four, two. So, so, so good. Like I, I, you know, like I grew up with those teams Unbelievably talented with United. Um, you know, honestly, um, maybe harshly rated at Real Madrid, but still very talented. And then I would say that, you know, if you want to talk, and we can have this conversation in 20 years if you want to, um, the most impact player in American soccer history it starts and ends with David Beckham. Now, just on the field from him being a trailblazer coming and doing the, the uh, LA Galaxy stuff, but led to the ownership, which led him to bring in Leo Messi, like all that shit. Like that dude is the guy. He has always been it. He was it on the field and he a hundred percent was it off the field and everything in between, you know, um, he lived up to the hype always. He yeah. is, 
he is fantastic. I, I would I would agree with that as an Oella. He like I love him very much. Um, uh, you know, on top of everything else, like you know, the joke Benelli Beckham like free kick specialist extraordinary. Like some of those free kicks were outstanding. So um, his impact on the game is immeasurable at this point. Immeasurable for sure. Yeah. Well, I think we're at an hour thirty. I don't want to fight. Fuck Mike over too much with the editing. No, it's fun, man. Like, uh, I can't wait for Mike to come back. Uh, Mike is our uh, <clears throat> our lighthouse as far as keeping us guided. I think that uh, Jake and I, if you guys obviously have listened for the last uh, 90 minutes, are very passionate, if maybe not succinct. So, uh, um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting Mike back next week and – you know, uh, for the five of you listening, you know, we, we love football and we continue, we want to continue to share this love with, with everybody else. And um, we hope to continue this as a more consistent series going in, going forward. I think it's going to be fun, you know, as we build this again with, uh, you know, we, we talk about the rooster and the villain brand, but it's rooster and the villain and the seagull, you know, because Mike's going to be very, or sorry, Jake's going to be very much a, a large part of this going forward. So I, I'm happy to have you on board, bud. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, like um, I'm, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to hang out with you guys. For sure. But all right, but uh, to all of you guys, enjoy. Uh, good luck to Villa tomorrow. It's Hibernian. Um, I don't think they're going to have any trouble. But it's a little homecoming for John McGinn, our club captain. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, and we'll do another one of these going forward, you know, surrounding uh, our three major clubs, and, and we'll go from there. All right. Peace. I right, see you, boys. Thank you for listening to this edition of Rooster and the Villain and the Seagull. If you're still listening, fuck you. Just kidding. Thanks for listening. I don't know why I said all those fuck yous. Goodbye.